0: But I endured a lot of hardships over my 40 years in the Marine Corps, where any coffee would have been good. And sea ration coffee was terrible. Sometimes we couldn't even have the means to eat it. And being out in the environment, being in hostile environments, in my retirement, I've enjoyed the comforts of life. But it also, I rationalized some of these things. Well, that yeah, it's a cake up, but I paid for it over my career with all the, uh, the things I gave up over my career to do it. Probably not the best citizen in me, but it's the way I think about some of these things. I may criticize my neighbors who put their leaves in plastic bags, but I'm unwilling to give up some comforts, and I rationalize, I quote, unquote, deserve this because I sacrificed earlier in my life giving these things up. It may make me feel comfortable for a while, but it's not what a good citizen would do. I mean, again, it's really small things. I enjoy a long, warm shower. Yeah, I don't take them quite as long and as warm as I did. I said, well, you know, this is really, an, this is an excess. You know, 20 minutes standing in the shower, you can get a shower in five or six minutes. So maybe I'll take a 10-minute shower instead of stand here and enjoy it. 76, we made it feel comfortable, but there's nothing wrong with 70 or 68 in the house. What you learn, particularly in difficult circumstances in combat, Or all people are the same. All people have the the ability to be good. There's a real love that develops between those that you serve with in those circumstances. When we have reunions now of the company I had in Vietnam, there are more tears shed because of that relationship. It's more like a family. One of the things you learn is that you respect everyone, everyone should be treated with dignity. Now, there are many people whose views for political, religious, economic views I don't agree with, but I have to treat them with dignity. I do not accept some of their ideas. I tolerate them in the best sense of the word because they deserve the dignity as human beings.
1: Welcome to the award-winning Leadership in the Environment podcast. We guide you to living better by your values. We bring you relevant views on important topics without doom and gloom. We focus on awareness and action. It's about bringing fun, community, and connection to your everyday life. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and turning on notifications. Let's do this. General Van Riper committed to avoid waste through coffee, which he describes as harder than he thought. Now, wait a minute. A three-star Marine Corps general is describing not using coffee cartridges as hard? The Millennium Challenge, among many other things, this thing that we talked about in our first conversation... He led a team to taking on the best of the entire U.S. war machine and won. How hard can coffee be? That's the point of this podcast. Personal challenge doesn't depend on calories burned, monetary costs, and simple material or things outside of us like that. It depends on our hearts and minds, which depend on our stories, beliefs, images, and things like that. Stewardship is as easy or as hard as we believe. Another main point of this podcast is to empower us to change our beliefs, stories, images, and all these things that go into how we decide things. While a belief may make something as materially simple as changing how you make coffee seem impossibly difficult, recognizing that our beliefs are the issue and the stories and the images underneath these things, that puts resolving the problem under our control. We don't have to accept that belief. We can change it. That's why I value Viktor Frankl and people like him so much. He turned living in Auschwitz into including experiencing love and bliss. What he can do, we all can. We're all human. Rip shares how he saw the situation before starting, how it ended up harder than expected, Then he got to work on himself and his views, and you'll hear the results, as I heard, more positive than he would have predicted. Systemic change begins with personal transformation. If you think the change that we talk about in this episode will end with a few coffee cartridges, well, it already goes into more, as you'll hear, but then you're missing how systemic change happens. Among other things, now there's a Marine Corps three-star general who concerns himself with household waste and sees it as something to enjoy and look forward to, to concern himself with these things, that is stewardship. He presents what he does as decreasing feelings of guilt, taking responsibility, enjoying the results. You'll hear that talking about responsibility and personal growth leads naturally to personal and professional growth at the highest levels of the military, about policy, strategy, campaigns, operations, and tactics. So this talk about coffee cups is really talking about values, and that leads to these big, important things. He started preparing me for reading von Clausewitz's On War. Well, let's listen to him. I almost can't believe the wisdom and experience I got to hear. But that's what happens when we focus on values. Here's Rip. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with my second conversation with General Paul Van Riper, Rip. If that's okay. That's good. And I guess you're about to tell me. But could we review for a second? The last we spoke, we talked about a lot of things, and one of them was that you were about to describe to me was personal commitment, a challenge, and. you remind everyone what it was? What were you going to do?
0: you challenged me, and it kind of caught me off guard, and I was thinking quick. And I said, well, I really feel bad when I throw all of those K-cups, those plastic K-cups in the trash because there's nothing else you can do with them. But I knew they made ones you could fill with coffee, and they obviously were reusable. So I committed to trying to do that. Uh Much, much harder than I thought.
1: Interesting. So, because it certainly sounds like if you could just order one, I guess you'd get, you grind your own coffee and put it in the K cup and just keep reusing that.
0: Well, you can buy coffee in the marketplace and just put it uh, out of the bags with the tins into those. And they're, I mean, they're easy. You can get them on Amazon, usually four or five, but they're, they're reusable for a long time. But when you do that, you give up some things. You give up blends that you like that don't come in anything except K-cups. All right, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Then somebody comes to visit and they're used to having several blends of tea, any number of blends of coffee. You no longer have them because you can't afford to buy a pound of coffee when you're only going to use a a small cup. Occasionally, and obviously, it'll go stale over time on you. So it wasn't as easy as I thought. So even though I started... I've, there's still, I'm, I'm using way too many K-cups. But I said, all right, if I can't do that, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. And again, these are small things. I'm struggling, as we mentioned earlier, trying to think of big things. But I converted almost all of the house. There's only a few of our overhead lights that are not LED now. So that's all right. Our daughter-in-law been trying to persuade me to stop using commercial cleaning products and use vinegar and water. Did that. Guess what? She was right. It's much better. Clean is much better. Obviously safer for the, in, the environment. I was making progress, and then because of the uh, problem with, with uh, China taking our recyclable, our local recycle company stopped accepting anything except bottles, glass, or plastic. That's all they accept. So all of those plastic containers that would have food or uh, meals in them, all of the uh, open-top bottles, all those things. Uh, so I, I felt like I was actually backsliding instead of moving forward. One thing, there's nothing gone off our property this year at all from our landscape. It's all been returned. So no leaves have gone off, no debris goes off. It either goes into my compost pile. I didn't pick up any leaves this year, didn't rake any. I mulched them all with, uh, on site so that they just turn right back into the lawn, right back into the bed. Now. I did something which at first I felt guilty about until I started thinking about it. Because of my wife's ailment, I need a lot of special medical-related type projects that you can find in the drugstore, but you go one time and they're there, and the next time they're not. So I found myself going from one drugstore to another drugstore, even trying to go to some of the uh, the grocery stores. But I was driving all over town finding a package or two, when I would need 10 packages a month. So I finally said, I'm going to go to Amazon. And what I do, I get them in bulk at Amazon with less packaging. And I say to myself, my carbon footprint is actually less because I'm not driving all over town looking for these. One truck is delivering to our entire neighborhood and just drops this off to me. But as you say, it's, it's not even a drop in a bucket. It's uh, hardly even a molecule in the
1: bucket for what we're trying to do. I got a lot of questions, if you don't mind my asking. Sure. One of them was okay. So the K cups, you had a modest success, I guess. You, but not as not as much as you would have hoped for. Can't didn't eliminate them. And it sounds like you did buy some of your own ground, it of like your preferred one. So at least you eliminated yours. But then when people came over, you're like, well, got to go back to the single use ones.
0: Some of my favorite. And so one of the things. This is like a lot of modern things. Until you have it, you don't recognize your quote unquote need it. I used to have one or two brands of coffee. Now all of a sudden I have a multiple choice. So I developed a taste for several different brands that I never had before. Mm -hmm. Some of those don't come except in K cups. So by using the reusables, I can get a good coffee, but not maybe the one I prefer this day. So you, you give up something with it. And of course with friends who were used to coming by and they'd say, well, what do you have? Well, I don't have what I used to have and here's why. So it's just what, I thought I could eliminate them.
1: I really haven't. It's interesting. Part of their appeal, I'm sure this is part of their business model, is like, let's make sure that they value what we offer. Right. Interesting. So that led you to, as I heard you, you said that that led you to the LEDs, that led you to the mulch, that led you to the cleaning products. Would you have done those things otherwise? Or was the K-Cups, did that wake you up to something
0: And maybe in time, I might have done the LED lights, but it would have been waiting for lights to burn out, where I just said, I'm going to bite the bullet, go through and get rid of these things, because they're, you know, all the, what they're drawing in terms of electricity, the excess heat they're putting in the house in the summertime. Um, So it was, a it motivated me to move quicker. The use of vinegar and water, if my uh, daughter-in-law had hassled me more, I might eventually, but her, her telling me, Dad, you need to do that and trying to find something to help the environment. Which the two of them in conjunction
1: moved me to do it. So that's interesting because this is something I'm trying to get across to people that I didn't, people often say like, these little things don't matter. And what I hear reinforces what I've concluded and tell me if this is a fair conclusion is that if you don't act, you don't learn the skills, you don't learn, but by doing, you find out okay, maybe the first thing doesn't work, it leads you to where you can figure out the next thing. Whereas if you just think about it, you can't get there. It's like thinking about lifting weights as if that would build muscle. It, you got to lift the weights.
0: And what you can do too, I'd drive up the street and I would see neighbors who had bags full bags full of leaves waiting for somebody to come pick them up. Well, I said to my nearest neighbors, why don't you give those to me? And I put them on my compost pile. So it's a win-win then go out into the, those all go someplace to be put into compost piles, but it's more trucks hauling it off. It's it's hauling it off someplace and then bringing it back.
1: I just take it and put it online. That's something else that I find is that when people do it, well, let me ask in an open-ended way, what was the relationship effect on you with the people around you in doing this? Did it bother people? Did it, I mean, you described that as a win-win, but maybe that was a, a special case. Was it, how did it affect your relationships?
0: No, they didn't seem to object at all. You want these? But we'll be glad to give them to you.
1: <laughs> How about with your daughter-in-law? Well, Did it improve is, things? Did it mess things up? Was it neutral? No, no,
0: no, no, no. She she is very much into y- using natural products and trying to protect the environment. So um, we're all we not always talking. But it's one of the subjects we talk about, and um, some things she tells me, I I try and I okay, I'm I'm willing to do this. A few I haven't. She wanted me to use vinegar on weeds because it kills the weeds. She was right. I sprayed the weeds and it killed them two weeks later. My product killed them the next day. (laughs) You know, it's a question of how long am I willing to wait for some of these things? Um, Uh Maybe in my backyard I would would wait, but maybe right here in my front lawn, I'm not waiting two or three weeks for the thing to die. So uh, we go back and forth.
1: And how about the... Emotional? Was this fun? Was this a chore? Were you like, God, why did Josh? Or were you like, how did it feel? I can tell you in reverse, because
0: it feels terrible now, when I take these plastic, tin foil, different type metals other than cans, and I cannot put them in the recycle. Our recycle bin is probably less than half of what it used to be, because basically it's recyclable plastics is one and two. All the other ones are gone. So many years ago, that's what our the recycled company here in James City County did. Took plastics one and two. Then they got one that took all the plastics, all the recyclables. And so I felt good about that. I felt terrible when they uh, had to go backwards.
1: And how about about your own actions with the, the LEDs, with the with the daughter in law, with the the neighbors? Oh, I love the LEDs. First of all, they're not hot. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm able to, I I get great light from them and, um, I know, I know what to say when me on my electric bill.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, you know, a big strategy I have with this is to bring leaders who are not necessarily in the area of the environment and to share their experiences doing these things. And so many people feel, they talk to me and if I don't walk them through this process, they're like, yeah, but what I do doesn't matter. And, You know, if I don't do it, someone else will. And so I might as well keep doing what I've been doing. And I want to create role models of leaders who do this because leaders are the ones who are going to do it. And, or rather, to make them role models. And across the board, they always share that is it fair for me to characterize this as a positive experience for you? Yes. I hope that people listening to this say, oh, if he can do it, I can do it too. And I hear, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but. You might have done this earlier. It would have been nice to have done this earlier. Yes. I hope you get that. It,
0: yeah, two th- things. One, your, your challenge spurred me. Mm-hmm. My daughter, daughter-in-law's insistence spurred me. My own guilt on some of these things spurred me. So all those combinations, I truly don't understand neighbors who don't do the easy things. As an example, the county... Because it got so expensive, this company that does recycling, they now bill us seven dollars a month for the recycle. A number of neighbors canceled the recycling because that's for a lousy seven bucks. you are throwing all this stuff into the trash. It's um, mind-boggling. For you know, that's maybe two cups of coffee if you went out. Uh, not even a full meal. <laughs> not, you know, it's, it's nothing for for people who are in comfortable circumstances.
1: I take it by that last phrase that like $7 is not a big deal for people in your neighborhood.
0: No, not a neighborhood. And no, I would say in most neighborhoods, not a, clearly are, are folks who aren't in those situations. who uh, $7 is a lot for them. So, uh, you know, I, I would understand those folks making the decision. And, but interesting, some, you know what some of those people are doing, they're saving it and taking it to the County recycle center. So it's not being own. picked up, but they're, they're taking it. They're avoiding the $7 cost, but not, stopping from doing it
1: not a lot so they're just doing it themselves yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's funny because the the cheap graduate student in me thinks i would go to my neighbors and say bring it over to my place and you can stick in mine because i'm paying for it and but i don't know if that would be cheating the system
0: no, no because um well i don't know it may, it may be it may not be the trash containers are well the recycled containers are no longer full i used to be concerned they pick up every two weeks i used to be concerned when we recycled all the recyclable uh, plastics that I would overfill it and it was always right to the brim. Now it's less than half full.
1: I also have to ask you another question because you said that the the deal with the K-cups was hard and on the one hand I believe you that it's hard but I also want to put it in context because you're a Marine and when a Marine says something's hard I don't think it's the same thing as when the average person says something's hard. Can you put it in context?
0: Yeah, there's a context. This may not be the best contact for a citizen, but I endured a lot of hardships over my 40 years in the Marine Corps where any coffee would have been good. And sea ration coffee was terrible. But sometimes we couldn't even have the means to eat it. So and being out in the environment, being in hostile environments, in my retirement, I've enjoyed the comforts of life. But it also I rationalized some of these things. Well, that, yeah, it's a K-cup, but I paid for it over my career with all the, uh, the things I gave up over my career uh, to do it. Probably not not the, the, uh, the best citizen in me, but it's the, it's the uh, way I think about some of these things.
1: That's kind of, I, I think that a lot of people, I think that it's human to do that rationalization. Like, I think certainly for me, before I, you know, I had this realization, I looked down at my garbage and I said, oh, this is more garbage than I want to produce. It's a lot of It's plastic. I'm going to enjoy this food and 500 years from now, someone's still going to have to deal with my waste. And that part of me would say the balance doesn't pay out. That's, I wouldn't want someone 500 years ago to leave garbage for me to still have to deal with today. But I would also think everyone else is doing it. Maybe some, they'll figure out some bacteria that eats plastic and they'll fix it all. Or maybe there'll be some other scientific advance that fixes it. And so I'd say, and besides, I really want to eat this thing. And I think we all do that. I think you're saying you don't understand your neighbors who would do something, who do some things. But if we really force it, eventually, I think these decisions that people make that sound really, on the face of it, sound like something we would never do, or it doesn't make sense. Actually, I think a lot of it I see in myself exactly that.
0: That's what I'm saying. I may criticize my neighbors who put their leaves in plastic bags, but I'm I'm unwilling to give up some comforts. And I rationalize, I quote, unquote, deserve this because I sacrificed earlier in my life in uh, giving these things up. That's, uh, it may make me feel comfortable for a while, but it's not what a good citizen would do.
1: Where are you in that journey right now? I mean, this is a place um, in life I've not been.
0: But I, I mean, again, it's really small things. I enjoy a long, warm shower. Yeah, I don't take them quite as long and as warm as I did. Uh, I said, well, you know, this is really, this is an excess, you know, 20 minutes standing in the shower where you can get a shower in five or six minutes. So maybe I'll take a 10-minute shower instead of stand here and enjoy it. At uh, 76, we made it feel comfortable, but there's nothing wrong with 70 or 68 in the house. So you just kind of, what I'm hearing is
1: you just kind of work it out. It's, there's no right answers.
0: Yeah, there's no right answers. And in many cases, no easy answers.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because I look at a lot of things that people do and so much there's so much that people do now that was never even humanly possible before. And now, I mean, we have electrical lights and we didn't always have that. We have airplanes, we didn't always have that. And what used to be beyond the imagination, now people take for granted and they don't even appreciate it anymore. Like at one point it was a big deal for to have a hot air balloon and for people to just go up 100 feet in the air, it was like unbelievable, unbelievably amazing. And now it's not even worth thinking. Like, no one wants to do that. I mean, maybe someone will do it for kind of fun, but they go up in a jet plane and they go 10,000 miles and they're like complaining about that. But to me, it seems like we've, we've developed a sense of entitlement. But who am I to say? I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying this stuff. I'm enjoying a lot of stuff as much as anyone. And maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. How does it sound to you? It,
0: you've probably seen articles like this where someone will say, I wish it was like old times and maybe even, Go back and, and put a period on it. Now, it wasn't like this in the '40s. Or it wasn't like this in the '50s. Life was good then, until people remind them of things like polio, which was crippling kids and artificial lungs, or the uh, inability to do so many things that save lives and make lives more comfortable. And it doesn't. Or or you talk about some of the uh, the social things that we've done in terms of discrimination, trying to overcome it. So. The good old days aren't necessarily all good, though there are things there that um, we probably, we've, we've got in excess to, to make it better.
1: I, today, it's got its issues as well, though. I mean, there's opiates and addictions and obesity and diseases. And,
0: and the, um, the, the thing that troubles me with that is the, uh, the fact that n- so many folks don't realize what's happening around them in terms of, a, uh, of mild distribution of income of how things are done that hurt them, but they they don't recognize it. They actually protect the system that is in uh, in the long run hurting them.
1: Actually, you just brought up something that made me... I've talked to a lot of people about our last conversation. And my impression, if I don't mind my sharing, I want to share something with you, an observation that it seemed like a lot of stuff that you talked about seemed at a cultural level. It seemed that you were talking about I expected a certain military perspective, but it seemed like a lot of your leadership seemed, here's how I put it to others, saying, I don't know because I it's out of my world. But it seemed to me like each star that you get as a general, you're learning things at a cultural level. You're learning something about humans that was, it seemed to transcend my, my understanding of military leadership. Not that I know that much about it. Was there training that you get? Was I reading something that was there that, do you get what I'm asking? Well, there's, there's a couple of
0: questions embedded in uh, what you've just asked me. One is relationship with people. W- what you learn, particularly in difficult circumstances in combat, are all people are the same. All people have the, the ability to be good. And uh, there's a certain, there's a real love that develops f- between those that you serve with in those circumstances. And when we have reunions now of the company I had in Vietnam, There are more tears shed because of that relationship. It's more like a family. And one of the things you learn is that you respect everyone. Everyone should be treated with dignity. Now, there are many people whose views for political, religious, economic views I don't agree with, but I have to treat them with dignity. I do not accept some of their ideas. I tolerate them. In in the best sense of the word, because they deserve the dignity as human beings.
1: That's the men that you served with. Well, does that extend to everybody?
0: I, it, I, I learned. I learned over time. When in my younger days, I went through a checkout line. I went through a checkout line. That was it. Might say hello to the person. Run the cash register. Now I'm conscious of not holding people up, but I love to engage with with uh, folks in checkout lines. You know, sense of humor, talking about things as simple as the weather to their conditions. I mean, you you meet some really interesting people. Uh, And with waitstaff, if you take the time to talk to waitstaff, I I met the first person I ever met from out out of Mongolia. He was a a waiter in a restaurant in a suburb of D.C. Can you imagine talking to somebody from out of Mongolia and all the things he he shared with you? So yeah, spend time and, and, and be very generous if, you're, if you have the ability with some of these people. We were at a restaurant for lunch one day, and the waitress was just not, she was almost surly. And my wife said, she doesn't deserve a tip. I said, what's the difference? Let's give her the normal tip we do, which is, is way more than the 20%. We handed it to her. She burst down crying. You know why? It was the first tip she'd gotten all day. And this was near the end of the day. So you've got to have empathy for people and respect them and, and treat them with dignity. So then that's what you learn over a lifetime. Now, I was pretty brusque when I was young. But with both, you know, the serving with uh, people in, in difficult circumstances and then thinking about it and engaging, reaching out to people, it, uh, it changes your, your whole approach.
1: If you like the show, I recommend acting, as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. So did this inform you as in your, you're talking about a 40 year career, Vietnam was in the first decade or two of your career?
0: I came into the Marine Corps in 56 and I was in Vietnam the first time in 65, the second time in 68.
1: So about 10 years in or and so. And then, so later when you're a general, how does that play in? Because it, it felt like you had an understanding, you're talking about a human one person. And I feel like groups of people have a different personality than individuals. Yes. Did that also come from, was that also built on the combat experience or was it, did something come later when, you, I mean, I imagine when you have tens of thousands of men reporting to you, something else happens, but I, I don't know.
0: What if you've, if you've come from the bottom, which you obviously are in the military, you have a much deeper appreciation than if you would do a lateral move into an organization. And if you'd move from one field to another without understanding what those under you have endured, uh, have gone through. So um, so you, you don't, you obviously are not in the same degree of danger nor uh, hardship the more senior you get, but having come up that way, you have a Again, you have an appreciation for those who serve under you.
1: Is this the case? I would guess that in the military, you're not going to get promoted if you don't learn the things to get you to the next level. It's not automatic. You shouldn't. Some do. That was my next question. Can, can you take for granted, or do you occasionally meet someone of, of the same rank as you, or and you realize they somehow they made it, but they have something, whatever they have, it's different?
0: Some can, uh, in the sense we use it, uh, be political animals where they're more concerned about their own uh, future their own promotions than they are the welfare of those under them or the unit as a whole and they can disguise it well enough they get promoted very few make it all the way to the top but uh, occasionally one or one or two will slip through when, when you see things like um, in the newspaper what the phrase will be used that a person was relieved because they lost confidence in his or her ability to command. That almost always is either moral turpitude, they've crossed the boundaries of, of morals or ethics, or they don't know how to interact and treat people properly.
1: And somehow they were able to at a different level. Is it fair to say that absent, it sounds like these are numerically a minority of, of people at the higher le- levels.
0: They, uh, they stand out because they are. An anomaly. Okay. You, you the hear, other is: Sorry. You know, every once in a while you hear something. You no, know, but there's been an awful lot of generals, an awful lot of admirals that have been in trouble. Yes, too many, but compared to the size of the force, no. But people talk about them inside the military particularly, but also on so because they are anomaly. And you have to step back every once in a while and say, you know, I think we're talking about whatever the name is. Because he or she really, really was different than the rest of us,
1: so absent those is it safe to say that when I don't know that many colonels and generals and admirals, is it a safe bet generally that absent the ones that you, that we were just talking about there's a certain level of understanding and compassion and empathy and overall leadership social and emotional skills that they that they possess that yes it's probably like an obvious question, but I haven't, I haven't actually asked it I haven't been in that community
0: the ones that are truly successful, that is successful, not only in the position they reach, but in the respect they earn. That's the key. There are those who reach a position, but don't have respect under them, either currently or in the past. I I wouldn't want to be one of them.
1: I appreciate your answering this. I I hadn't really planned to ask, but I just heard things from you in the last conversation that I hadn't really expected. I didn't really expect it one way or the other, but if I hadn't heard it, I wouldn't have, I was just really, where does this come from? And I have not been in combat. I haven't felt that love that you described.
0: But the other thing too, you have to know as you move up, it is virtually impossible to be universally liked. Uh, There's always going to be some percentage for whatever reason don't agree with you, don't agree with the way you're leading, and and won't like you. So you don't want to go to the other extreme and try to get universal respect just to get it. You've got to remember that, the most important thing is the mission. And then, in our case, the Marines under you. The last thing important importance is me. We always talk about the three M's. The big M is accomplishing the mission. Right behind that are the Marines that you lead. And the me is the small the small M.
1: Am I right that the mission... I mean, ultimately, is the mission what comes from the president? Or is that in the United States coming from a political, uh, civilian nature? Or is the mission what we're doing at this particular time?
0: You know, sort of a tutorial, and I don't mean it to be exactly this, but to, to, to give you an idea of, of how it should work and generally does work. All wars are political. You're, you'll hear folks say, we don't want any politics in our war. No. A nation establishes policies, national security policies, based on politics. That's transferred into a strategy, and then the strategy, if there is a conflict, into campaigns. And then the operations and the tactics uh, that that are employed. So every every military action is in support of a political goal. The um, so it, and it it flows obviously from the commander in chief, the president, down through the secretary of defense to the the four star combatant commanders in the in the regions: the European Command, Africa Command, Pacific, et cetera.
1: Okay, and now you've also... What you just said, I've just I finally got a copy of von Clausewitz, and I've I've only read a very little. I actually haven't started reading the book. I've only been reading the introduction part, and it's the Princeton translation.
0: Well, there's a, there's difficulty with all if Howard and Pare, Paret, P A R E T. If it's mm-hmm. not the Howard and Paret edition, English edition, it's flawed. But even their edition is flawed. Uh, it's, it's the difficulty of translating German. Uh, in, in the German from his period in the uh, early 1800s.
1: And I hope that someday I can come back to you with questions about von Clausewitz because it feels like what you're talking about, the strategy, is probably going to be useful for if my goal is to influence lots of people in the area of the environment. It feels like it would probably be useful.
0: It's very difficult to read on war without a mentor. Many reasons. One, what Clausewitz will tell you is this on one hand, but on the other hand. He holds these ideas on two ends, and he he realizes those extremes are not what it is. It moves in between. But people will look at it and say, Clausewitz said, and someone else says, over here, Clausewitz said it here, which is right. Both of them are are right. So as you read, it it appears in places to be contradictory. And in reality, The work, he's arguing with himself. A lot of it, he was writing it uh, and using his writing to understand war as a phenomenon.
1: Is it useful in general for beyond military strategy? I mean, I know that a lot of business people refer to it. He's he's more quoted than read. I mean, I'm looking, I'm trying not to say this because it sounds weird when I say it, but I'll just say it. Is it, I believe that, Billions of people are looking to be led in the area of the environment and want to change. And I would like to, if no one else is going to try, I want to try to influence as many people as I can to change how we respond to the environment. And it feels to me like that's a strategic issue. And maybe if he's one of the top people to read, if he's one of the the minds to learn from, it would be worth, because it's a really big book and it's going to be hard to read.
0: I would not want you just to launch into it. I don't think it would be the most productive use of your time. If you truly want to understand what he said, let me um, share with you some other titles of people who can explain what he's what he's doing. Now, if you were a, a military student, a senior leader, you need to get into it and you need to wrestle with it. But for the purposes I think you want it, what, what I go to is a saying I once found on my desk, anonymous and I've never been able to find Who it might be attributed to, but the words were something along the lines of, "If you have not written about a subject or topic, you haven't truly thought about it." Mm -hmm. And I believe that's what Clausewitz was doing. He was thinking deeply, but he realized it was in the writing that he was getting. He was trying to get into understanding this phenomenon. So, if you if you believe, as I probably do, that this problem with the environment is a phenomenon that's not understood then for you to understand it, you're going to have to write about it at some level.
1: I certainly write about it. And I have to say that, and that's just writing, but acting.
0: That's the real uh, key to Clausewitz. Clausewitz was in a lot of combat. He saw a lot of hard combat. So he had the experience. And then he studied history. So he had vicarious experience. And then he spent many years, and though on war, the opus is what he's known for. He wrote a lot of other documents leading to that. And that went through a number of revisions. So as you know, writing is hard, but it's in the process that you're, you begin to, the ideas begin to gel. And if you're able to get to it, you get to the essence of the problem. He did. There's no guarantee though, but I, I can guarantee if you don't write about it, the odds are pretty slim. You'll get to it. If you write about it, you up the odds.
1: Can I tack on acting and speaking as other elements to as necessary to really get it?
0: Well, let, let's walk through those uh, those ideas. If you don't read and read well, you're unlikely to move up in any modern organization. You have to be re- you have to read ideally a, a good liberal arts background. But if it's a technical profession, you have to be you have to read that and study that. If you aren't able to write, you won't advance that profession or the topic. So you can be an expert, but if you don't write and think, you don't advance the profession. If you want to lead the profession, you have to be able to speak. And for many, that's the hardest.
1: I appreciate your sharing this. And you said a few minutes ago, you wouldn't recommend diving into von Clausewitz, but you might recommend other things first. Are those other books to read?
0: Yeah, let, let me, uh, I'm here in my library. Let, let me just move over to the library and I'll, and I'll share a couple of titles with you. Uh, there, there are a number of translations um, uh, of varying degrees. But um, one, one I might uh, look at is Todd Clausewitz by Michael Howard. Now He just recently passed away. He was a British historian, also a combat veteran, but it's called Past Masters. And it's a, it's a little book. But it, he understands Clausewitz, so let's see. In in seventy three pages, rather than the hundreds of pages in *On War*, it gives you a, a good idea. And the other translator was Peter Parete, P-A-R-E-T. That's um, the one I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good one. Uh, re- relatively, there, there is no. It, it was in nineteen seventy six when it first came out. Everybody was amazed at how well they'd done. Obviously, with anything like that, as other scholars have dug into it, looked at different translations, and and the fact that they wrote it during the height of the Cold War, uh, there's some flaws. But it's the best, in English, it's the best you're going to do. Peter Perret wrote one called Clausewitz in His Time, in the subtitle, Essays in the Cultural and Intellectual History of Thinking About War. Okay. So those are two, you know, you might look at rather than launching right into trying to understand. In some ways, it's almost like sitting down with the Christian Bible and just starting to read. You're going to get much more out of it if you have some mentor or teacher that helps enlighten you as you go along.
1: Okay, I appreciate this. this so, okay, I'll, get, I'll start with these two. Michael Howard, Past masters, Peter Pere, Klausowitz, in his time. And I'll come back to you after that. All right. Well, this has been a journey in this conversation. And thank you for sharing these things. Back to the environmental part. Are you done or do you feel like you're going to continue with the, the different things of the vinegars and the LEDs?
0: I'm thinking, but that's remember I said it was hard, much harder than when you threw that challenge out. I thought pop, um, that, that just popped in my mind, but later mm-hmm. I thought I could find a, a lot of things. When that didn't turn out like I wanted it to, was much more difficult. Then I struggled to find other things. and And of course, the same problem. They seem so minor. Was it something worthwhile? I mean, vinegar instead of uh, whatever other cleanser you might use. But uh, I guess additive, uh, I'm headed in the right direction. Not fast enough, not far
1: enough. Well, I want to wrap it up with, uh, if it's okay with you, with um, an open invitation that if the struggle leads to something where you feel like sharing the results, and leave an open invitation to contact me and I'd love to hear where it goes, if anywhere.
0: Yeah. Discourse and writing, or how you elicit these ideas. So, uh, I enjoy it. In fact, uh, you know, as you know, I've spent uh, been focused largely on my wife's health, and as a result, my brain—I'm reading medical journals and stuff. It's kind of uh, good to come up out of that and talk about more all-encompassing issues.
1: Well, if that helps, then I'm glad to hear it.
0: Yeah, my therapy.
1: Ah, uh, actually. There, I'm going to comment that I believe that interacting, the more one interacts with nature, it's its own therapy that, I mean, certainly professional therapists or something, but like to walk among trees, to shop for fresh vegetables and chop them and to eat them and smell them. Absolutely. There's, yeah. There's something that can't be replaced yeah. as far as I can tell.
0: I shock people sometimes when they come here and I say, you, you know, I have a mistress. And they kind of step back, said, <laughs> so it's Miss Green. It's out here. It's my landscape. It's the shrubs. It's the trees. My wife says what she calls she calls it an obsession. I say no. It's just a passion.
1: I kind of want to think. Do you want to leave it at that, or any last statements besides that?
0: No, I can't think of anything else. I just. Uh, but but when you you know th- th- my my own therapy for my own well being are two things. One is anything that's intellectually stimulating, which discourses like this are, and uh, reading, or being out in nature, whether it's uh, paddling a canoe or down on my knees, digging in the soil.
1: General Paul Van Riper, thank you very much.
0: Okay, appreciate it.
1: This conversation helped prompt me to read the strategy works he described, as well as valuing writing about sustainability. Beyond my blog, I'm working on my book and seeing how it reveals the core, as he described, of sustainability leadership. Back to Rip, I remember watching a video biography of President John Adams, after he was president, I remember seeing showing him fixing shingles on his roof. It just seems a normal thing for people to do. I don't know if presidents today do that. But I thought of how human we all are, whatever our status, whatever importance we give ourselves. As JFK said, in the end, we are all mortal. We share the same air, land, and water. We can view changes to act in stewardship as obligations, as chores, sacrifice, and burden. That seems to be how most people look at it, as hardships for us. Focusing inwardly on our experience of these things, focusing inwardly, characterizes depression from what i hear. By contrast, we can view stewardship of nature as connecting us to others, taking responsibility for how our behavior affects them, taking their concerns into account. Little improves how we feel more than acting in service of others, especially those helpless to defend themselves for the consequences of decisions that we make for ourselves. And that's leadership. Even if we want to get ahead and we think we have to do for ourselves, acting in service of others responsibly is leadership. Even if the only reason i want to lead is for myself to get ahead, it still works. If I want more happiness, it also works. If you prefer seeing stewardship as a burden, keeping you from your career, that's your choice. But rip, shared otherwise, at least as I heard it. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step-by-step, step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.